You are listening to Drop Tent Media Network. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast. With Che Guerrero. The winds really change talk. in one direction. They got to harass someone else. I get it. I get exactly. it. Like, people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Hey, welcome to another episode of My Undocumented Ass Podcast. We got a great episode for you today. I talked to John Avina. He is a comic book artist out of Chicago. He's got a kick for me right now to produce Lucha Forever, a five-part series. Uh, we talked about his upbringings in Chicago, how he uses the Latinx neighborhood to inspire his artwork, and what he hopes to bring to the comic book community, which is diversity and some true stories. Hey, check it out. You're going to love it. Never going to get used to the East Coast, you know, Central, West Coast times. I'm always going to mess it up with somebody somewhere. First of all, I want to say thank you so much. Uh, first of all, uh, for our guest today, we got John Avina, comic book artist. He was nice enough to send me copies of his uh, Lucha Forever. And you also sent me this really cool book. I didn't realize this one was going to be like, it's, it's uh, you uh, sort of guiding us through your uh, your. Uh, your own universe, your own comic book universe, which I thought was beautiful. I was like, oh my God, it's like a whole cinematic universe. <laughs> walking me through. Yeah, so that one's like a, like a compendium of all my different like books and things that I work on and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was just a lot of fun to write. That's cool, man. Tell me, uh, yeah, I mean, let's get into it, man. Let's, let's get into a little bit of your background and, and your art history and everything. Uh, let's start off with where, where are you from? Where, where, donde comenzó todo? Yeah, so uh, I'm from Chicago. My parents okay. are from the same small town in Mexico, so they're both from Tamasula, Jalisco. Okay. Yeah, uh, my dad was born there. Mom was born here. Okay. Uh, but my dad moved here when he was four. Oh. Then, wow. Yeah. Okay, so Chicago folks. You guys are pretty much Chicago folks at this time. Yeah, so, like, my mom never, well, like, we never lived anywhere else. So, like, once we hit Chicago, they just stayed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's so where you went to school, like, just pretty much stayed out there, right? Yeah, so uh, we I went to school in the city. I went back to Chicago to go to like school for film and art and all that stuff. So, okay. yeah, you know, my family's actually out in Aurora. That's why I like I, I know the city pretty well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm a funeral director, so I I go to Aurora all the time for like help people out and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I was uh, I was a little like shocked at how much um the Mexican community and stuff like that has really rebuilt these towns I saw of Chicago. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for 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 our people, man, these towns would have been gone. Yeah, when the jobs left, the uh, only people that stayed were like the Mexican communities that just kind of like rebuilt and reached out wherever they could and stuff. So, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and you you seen that specific growing up there. So, what what like what area did you grow up with in Chicago? Uh, Pilsen. So my stepdad had a torteria there. <laughs> okay. So after my parents split, uh, I would just go to like because I didn't want to leave grammar schools or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So my dad would just, my stepdad would just drive me down there and I would just sleep in the office till like school opened up and then yeah, I'd yeah. be there at like six in the morning, but I would help them turn on the machines and stuff and like run the tortilla till then. And then after school, I would still be there. Damn, <laughs> see, always putting us to work as soon as like, as soon as... Uh, immediately, <laughs> immediately. Yeah. That's how you already yeah. knew how to run a business. Like I know how to run a comic <laughs> book business. I've been running the freaking tortillas since I was a kid. Yeah, and it's still there. So like uh, the funeral home I work at, it's like a block away. So I oh, never wow. really left. So I still cross <laughs> it to go get food and stuff. I stop in, say hi, and step that zones it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, dude. That's amazing. Uh, what about your mom? What What does she do? She's a funeral director. Oh, she's a. You work with both of your parents? 
Uh, yeah, so my dad runs a torteria, so I hung out with him, but then they got separated. Oh, okay. So uh, when they separated, my mom met this guy, and he was a funeral director. My gosh, man, your mom, just, just, she's like, I'm going to get one with a little bit better job. You know what I mean? She's yeah. like, let's, let's keep moving it up. And then, like, the funeral director, when they started dating, he's like, you, you look pretty good at this. And she's like, yeah, because mom's a people person. She used yeah. to be a mariachi singer. Oh, wow. So she would take us to clubs. So like Wednesday night gigs, because her and my dad were divorced, they yeah. would just, we would be there. So we'd be like asleep on the couch. Like there would be her performing on stage. And then there's like a little Mexican boy and his sister, like asleep. <laughs> and it was me and my sister. It's like knocked out. What did you think? Oh my God. Is that, like, I feel like now that that's where you get most, like, do you get a lot of your inspiration from like these childhood things of like seeing your parents like that? Yeah. So like, like that on the wall. Amazing. Of the bar, they had that giant picture of the uh, Aztec dude carrying like the dead princess and stuff. Yeah, and that's the cover of one of my comics. Is I just took that and I just like redid it, like repurposed it. I love that because I was thinking, like, yeah, seeing <laughs> your mom being like singing mariachi and stuff must have given you a very different light of like you know, I guess you know your family than you would have normally had. Yeah, so it was cool because like when I brought it to my mom, I was like, I'm gonna start writing comics like that. Yeah, I've always liked comics. Like I'm just gonna do it. She's like, yeah, that makes sense. She's like you're not meant to do this forever. She was just like every time you go in, you like grunt, you hate it. Yeah. She's like so, yeah, you got to find something else. That's nice that she supports the the, the arts in you. You know. Yeah, as long as I don't ask for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no. My mom was like, you could be a comedian as long as I'm not giving you like a hundred bucks every week just to pay your bills. I'm like, maybe at the beginning, but I promise you, it'll right. stop. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just need a little bit to get started, and I'll pay you back. Like, <laughs> I will pay you back. I promise. Yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. So, like, uh, growing up, you just like follow your parents around from all these odd jobs and stuff like that. How'd you do in school? Because I knew my, my thing was terrible. I said, yeah, I was gonna say me too. I I didn't have that steadiest of like you know home life. So my my schoolwork was not not up there. I was more creative always. Yeah. So like in school, I, unless we were like uh, it was like a reading assignment, like yeah. and it had to be fiction. It couldn't be real life stuff because I didn't care. Yeah. So I was like, oh, if it's like fiction, I'll read it. I'll see what's up. But at like math. No, I like I don't care about geometry. I don't yeah. need it. Now yeah. that I'm doing art, I need it to like lay stuff out. Oh, so, like shit. in school. <laughs> yeah. My teacher was right, but I, I hated school. And then I went to the suburbs for a little bit for school after my mom got divorced from my dad. Yeah. And we moved in with my stepdad. He lived out in the suburbs. Okay. So when we went out there, you know, I remember it was like third grade because my dad's from Mexico. So like when he only talks in Spanish, so I grew up kind of like bilingual right away. Yeah. Like I mostly talk Spanish and so did everyone in my school. But when I went to the suburbs, it was all English. So yeah. I had like a real thick accent <laughs> that I had to lose. So like my teacher made me stand in front of the class. It was like third grade. And she was like, say it again. So I would say like cat, cat. So I, I dropped the like the ah yeah. sound. So I had to keep doing it. So I got real self-conscious. Wow. So I just I just stopped doing everything because yeah. of it. And then the first chance I got to go back to the city, I did. I told my stepdad, I was like, I'll go to work with you in the morning just so I could go back to that school because over here I don't I don't fit in. Wow. Yeah. No, you know what? Uh, when I went from New York City to go into Aurora, Illinois, uh, was the first time I actually felt like actual racism. Like those suburbs of Chicago are freaking serious. Like, yeah. um, mostly Mexican kids, but you know, didn't know where I was from. I'm like, I'm Dominican, that kind of stuff. They, they didn't get a lot of the white girls in that, uh, school. Not, not to sound like I'm bragging or whatever, but they were like 
overly fetishizing me because they didn't know anybody else other than like Mexicans. So you're like, oh, you're you're Latinx, but what are you, Dominican Republic? What is that, Dominica? And I'm like, no, it's a different country. Like it was a very, very weird, hostile racism that I just felt like from all different directions. I was like, ah, I can't. And as soon as like my eighth eighth grade year was up, I freaking left right back to New York. Like I was like, I had the opportunity to move with some uncles in New York and I just like had to leave. Yeah, this, so in high school, because I went to like a primarily white high school, yeah. my nickname was Paco oh because they were like, John's too white. And I was like, well, Juan is the Spanish John. I was like, why not Juan? Yeah. And they're just like, it doesn't, it doesn't stand out. So it was Paco and it followed me throughout high school. Like oh, even now if no. someone sees me and they knew me from high school, they're like, oh, it's Paco. What's up? I was like, nah, I still don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I never <laughs> co-signed on it. No, but like, you know, a way it helped me stand out because like yeah. they're like oh, okay paco it's a different name we know him it's cool and i was like for you guys like that's yeah sure yeah. why not yeah john is too white i uh too I, white. that's hilarious because i know so many puerto ricans named john so i know so many johns yeah no because uh, me off for you i'm just like what the fuck the well my grandma got mad at my mom because my dad's name is juan yeah so she was like you were halfway there you gave up <laughs> and yeah. mom's like every time he went in for an interview like they saw the name juan and like instead of applying for like the supervisor position it um, was what it was less yeah so she was just like we had a i she's like I, I named you john she's like it's 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 just the easiest way for you to at least get one step ahead going in yeah yeah i i always i always had the most spanish name girl you know my my, my legal name's miguel so that just like just right away, people were like, uh, "That we don't even need to change his name." But like Miguel, he already has the most Spanish name ever. So, uh, I used to have, I used to be bothered by that, but like now, like, I take a little pride in having like the most Spanish name. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, yeah that means I am the most Spanish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just it well, gives me more pride now. That was a shame before. For my son, uh, we named him Benjamin for like Benny the Jet Rodriguez from Sandlot. Oh shit, I love that. Because <laughs> I love that movie, and he was like my hero. But yeah. then for his middle name, I was like, I need a like a, a Mexican Mexican name, so yeah. that way he know because mine's Emmanuel. Okay. So for his, we put Eliodoro after my grandpa. I love that. Yeah, I so I was that. like, he's not getting away from it. <laughs> Eliodoro. <laughs> yeah. Watch him at one day, at one point, just go by his first name, he becomes an actor, Eliodoro Avina. That, like that's, that's it. That's so proper star. <laughs> yeah, so proper star. You got it. <laughs> so like, uh, so that was like your escape growing up. Was just like you said, you like fiction more and stuff. Like, were you already like drawing when you were young? Yeah. So I suck at drawing. So like, a lot of the art is other artists. So I worked with like fifteen different people to bring. Oh. I'm the writer for okay. all these books. Okay. So I have a bunch of different artists that help. So like each book, I teamed up with a different group. But all the books are Latino artists. So, like, everyone that I work with is either from, like, Brazil, Mexico, stuff like that. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, because I, I didn't know, like, you know, you're, you're starting, like, your own little, you know, Marvel kind of thing with yeah. different artists. So that's why I wanted to see where you were, like, what, like, what role. So that's what you're the writer. That was always what you wanted to to get down on was on the, you say, you're saying the fiction stuff. Yeah, because I tried, like, drawing my whole life, and it's just... It's bad. No one's gonna pay me to draw ever. <laughs> were you like uh kind of like more involved in the in the comic book community, or were you just like the avid reader kind of thing? Just the avid reader. So I got into comics because of the Simpsons. Okay. Because they had Simpson comics, and like my dad loved the show, so he would like buy them at Seven Eleven, and I like he would just keep them around because he thought yeah. they were funny. 
So I started reading those and then I was like, well, what else do they got? So then he took me and then I found like Marvel and all those things. Okay. So it was cool, but I never really did anything with it. And then I went to school for film because I like cameras and stuff. Like okay. I was always like, I would take my parents' cameras and just shoot a bunch of stuff. Yeah. We never developed it because like it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so we just have a bunch of negatives just sitting <laughs> in a home somewhere. Yeah. You got to put it together, man. It bitches like a documentary that, you know. That's <laughs> just me sleeping seen. on couches at family parties somewhere. Hey, you know, yeah, they're like John Waters, like do these experimental movies, but like watch a little Mexican boy sleep for four hours. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's like it's a masterpiece. You know? <laughs> we should be able to be like that experimental with our shit. Yeah, it's, that's what I'm trying. So for like a lot of these books, like if you notice the heroes, I wanted, I didn't want to just tell like Latin stories to just yeah. to do it. I wanted to do it because it was stories I wanted to tell and they just happened to be like, like I wanted to make a, like heroes that my uncles would see themselves in. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. Like, you know, you, you might have like, you know, your your mariachi and your little, but you do really do take them in different places and give them, you know, more more depth than like usually, you know, the 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 written Latinx character on a Marvel thing would be like, you know, is is now getting developed, but when they first would be brought in, it'd just be like an extra side character or something. Yeah. Like uh have you seen the newer um it's a cowboy movie with Chris Pratt, Magnificent Seven, the reboot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a Mexican guy in the group, and like everyone has like these fully developed characters and stuff, like Ethan Hawke's character, everything. And I don't know the name of the Mexican guy. Like I don't think they ever said he's just he's got the accent, he's got the guns. He's like, yeah. oh, he went on. He's like twirling him. I'm like, what else does he do though? Like, why is he here? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's, it's. I remember like I remember the first time that happened was like I was watching. It's, it's not like a comic movie, but I remember I was watching uh, Die Hard two. And the only character in it was like John Leguizamo, who was Latinx, but then like they didn't give him any lines, any roles, anything like that. And that's the first time I realized like, oh, they do that to us. <laughs> like yeah. They just put us in a movie and not give us any background. So when they no. kill us, it's like, ah, oh, they killed the brown guy. Yeah. You know? Or we're just uh, like that poor guy that's always like the shaved head game banger in every movies. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, his yeah. name is like Hector. Yeah. Like yeah. give him a, a role. Like, why is he here? Like, let's yeah. do that, and then we'll go forward. Like, let's try something. You know, so that's uh, where I kind of got the, like, these things going from. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, what was it about the lack of representation in the comic book world that made you go, you know, I want to do my own thing? It was uh, that movie Andor, the Star Wars one. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I yeah. saw it, and I was just like, like, Diego Luna is, like, stealing the show for me. Like, he's, I want to just follow him. Like, I there's a lot of stuff going on, but, like, him... So yeah. when I saw it, I like asked my friends and stuff like, well, what'd you guys think? They're like, I don't know who that guy was, but it was, it was good. Yeah. So I was just like, if, if they could appreciate it for like the story and he just happened to be the representation I wanted, then I'll tell those stories where it's just like, I'm going to get my representation, but you guys are going to get a fun thing to follow. Like I'm going to make you guys care about him too. Yeah. I got, I got to watch the new, the new series. I, uh, I have to admit, like I saw Rogue One uh and i didn't really pay attention to the fact that he was like the like the, the latinx like representation you know i was just kind of watching like oh whatever but yeah. i i'll I be real with you i, I, was, I feel bad now because like they made such a big deal when they had the first black stormtrooper and i'm just like whatever about the first latinx one you know so, it, but i think they want us to feel that way too because they're like well there's latinos and everything like you, yeah. we're in stuff but we're not in the forefront we're just there yeah so when we're the lead of something we're never taught to like celebrate each other with stuff. They're just like, oh, he got it. Yeah, it's fine. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm having my own thing in my own world like that where uh, where finally uh, SNL has its first Dominican cast member, but I'm very mm. like, man, eh, whatever, it wasn't me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, it's something like representation. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I'm speaking online here. I don't want to shit on the kid. But sometimes it feels like some representations are just like um, very specifically picked by yes. Hollywood. You know, this kid is uh, he's he's great, but he's uh, he's he's very light skinned. He's very white presumed. So I was like, all right, well, I kind of wanted the first Dominican to kind of look like Big Poppy. You know what I mean? I wanted to yeah. be like, you know, what the most population of the art looks like, not just what the you know, so that that's why it, it was kind of hard. Yeah, no, and I think there's a lot of that within the community too, where it's just like if we're gonna get it, I want it to be like all of it. Like, don't like me. Like, if you didn't know, you probably wouldn't know what I was. Yeah, and I get that a lot. Like, I I like I don't like saying like white passing because I know it like offends some people, but I yeah. I am. Yeah, like whatever town I'm in, they think I'm from that town. Oh wow! Like, oh, wow! Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, we were in like Little Italy in Chicago, and like some woman just started talking to me. I was like, "Some of that sounds like Spanish." I was like, "Yeah, but, yeah I mean, it does." Yeah, yeah. but the, like the best feeling in the world is when like a little like abuelita comes up to me and just yeah, starts yeah. talking to me in Spanish. I was like, "Okay, cool." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, you know, sometimes I get people would think I'm Middle Eastern. Some people would just think like I'm a black dude. So sometimes, like, yeah, some people are like, "Are you black?" And I'm like, "I mean, I'm Dominican, so yes, in a sense, yes." <laughs> Uh, but like sometimes when I get someone who just comes out and be like, oh yeah, como tu tao? And I'm like, oh, you saw me, like you saw me, <laughs> yeah. you saw me. Like that feels, it feels very good to be like, you know, cause I understand like, you know, I wouldn't, you know, yeah. Sometimes I get confused. I'm like, wait, uh, where are you from? Whatever. And you're saying sometimes, you know, either people go white assumed or, you know, white passing, whichever the term is, you know, you don't, you don't pick it. The world picks it for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is, it is kind of like, oh shit, somebody saw me for a second. Yeah, I, just, I was like, all right, I, like that feeling I want to keep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's like, uh, like a lot of the comics too when I'm doing like the like surnames and stuff yeah. uh, uh, for the wrestling one for Lucha Forever. Yeah. It's like Guillermo Diaz because I was yeah. like, all right, it's my dad's like last name and stuff. Like I just make it work for yeah. everything. So, yeah. This is what I was going to ask you too. Like, so so when you're putting this thing together, because this is like a project that you're trying to like, you're doing like a GoFundMe for and everything. So... Tell me a little bit about the history of like how you kind of got the team together and what you've done, like, you know, kind of where, where you're thinking about. Yeah. So for Lucha Forever, which is the one that we're doing the Kickstarter for, it started with this cool scene I had in mind. And it was uh, like an Aztec pyramid. And on top of it, you saw two people just sitting. And the the guy with the cape, the hero, mm -hmm. looks over to his son and he was like, you know, when your abuelita would tell me like what he thought Mexico would be like if the conquistadors never made it. And then he like looks out and you see like this futuristic, like almost like hybrid sci-fi, kind of like what Wakanda is mm -hmm. in Black Panther, mm -hmm. where it's like that. But he looks out and it's like Mesoamerican. Yeah. And he was like, I think we could have gotten to be something like this. Wow. So I had that scene in my head, but I had no context of who they were. So I started like flushing it out because yeah. I know heroes were masks. And to mm -hmm. me, that was always like the Lucha Libre thing of like <laughs> you put on your mask and you become the hero. Yeah. So I was like, well, what if he didn't want to be a wrestler? He just was a wrestler because that was what people told me should be because he was mm -hmm. a big guy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like, then I just started thinking of like big actors like the like Rocky, like uh, Sylvester Stallone and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, he became like an Academy Award winning or Academy Award nominated stuff for like Rocky yeah. and all that. I was like, but he doesn't fit that type. Like he's yeah. not like the nerdy writer guy. He's like the action hero. 
So I was like, imagine the dad trying to make that switch in a world that he doesn't know. So going from Mexico to like America yeah. and trying to make that switch happen. I was like, so that's what I wanted to do with this hmm. story. That's what I wrote it. So uh, the story follows Guillermo as he goes from Mexico to the U.S. to become an actor. <laughs> and it all goes terribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. So like he's selling when the comic opens, he's selling his memorabilia to a pawn shop to make yeah. rent because <laughs> he like but yeah. he's persistent yeah, yeah like yeah. i'm gonna get it it's just time but he's got a family too so he knows yeah. like dads don't stop working like you gotta keep going so he's like i gotta sell this stuff but it, i can rebuy it later on once i've made it once i've made it everything else will fix itself i just yeah. gotta get there yeah but we see him going to an audition where he's typecasted because it opens and there's 10 guys in the room that look just like him yeah yeah, yeah. And then he goes in to read, and as soon as the guy hears his name, he's like, oh, you were a wrestler, right? You did, like, those old, like, Santo movies. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, but that was a long time ago. But the guy's like, we're good. Like, thank you for <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to play so, a stereotype. We're good. Yeah. yeah. So it's wow. a lot of that stuff where it's just, I just drew from what I knew, trying to be creative and, like, make movies. Because the moment I would pitch a movie, I was like, okay, it follows a kid named Chewy. And they're just like, can you spell that for me? And I'll spell it. They're like, yeah. ah, like... What if we name him like Joey or something? Like that's still yeah. a kid's name. I was like, but it's it's Chewy. Like I wrote Chewy. There's a this whole reason college? for it. This is in college yeah. when we tried to like like uh small like student films. Yeah. So the first film I did was just a father and son, and it was like the anniversary of the mom's death, and the dad the son was building like a ofrenda for the yeah. mom. Oh wow. But the dad was upset because like his tools were missing and he couldn't find his stuff. It was just like a nice little short, there's like four lines of dialogue thing. But like from the offset, I wanted people to know like I'm Mexican, like I'm telling Latin stories. Like that's yeah. what I want to do because I, that's the kind of stuff I wanted to see. Wow, that actually seems like a very beautiful, like small film, like short film you could do. And though the, 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 like your like your uh, your peers or whatever were like already trying to make make it whitewash, even though it's like four lines. And they're <laughs> yeah, like, first so... of all, why Chewy? Why can't it be Joey? <laughs> why is it no friend? <laughs> One of the fun things of that was when the credits rolled, I yeah. just stole like this mariachi song, this Cual Estrella song that I liked. Yeah. And that was just a song for my credits. But as soon as it went on, any like Latin kid in the rooms had turned towards me and they just like nodded. I was like, yes. Okay, cool. I was like, there's you, there's you, there's you. You know so what I from did any... yeah, yeah. yeah. And I put them in every project I did. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, I want a team where if I'm making jokes about something, like, yeah. it'll land. It'll stick. Yeah. Because, like, if you if you do it within, like, your group yeah. of people that, like, have the thing, they'll understand it. So, like, right now we're working on another just a fun miniseries book, but it's called The Last Paletero on the Block. Because <laughs> in like Chicago, that. there was a, an old, like, an older man. He's been around for forever. <laughs> yeah. But about four years ago, he got beat up for like the money in his little cart. Oh. So I wanted to do something of like, well, what happens when we chase out all like the people we know? Cause then yeah. there was another story about like two white girls that opened up a vegan paleta cart. Yeah. yeah. And then they received like instant backlash, which yeah, I was yeah. like, what'd you expect? Yeah. yeah. So I, it, it became like this story about like representation, like all this other things or like, um, was like justification was like the big yeah, theme yeah. for it. Yeah. But he, the the paleta cart was uh, like armored, 
So yeah. he could like pull one of the bells and they became electrified. The handle was a sword. Like I made him a superhero. Oh, wow. So that way the kids in the neighborhood would flock to him, not just because like they wanted the ice cream, but because he could help solve their problems. Wow. So it's kind of like if you don't have someone at home to go to, at least you had your community. Yeah. So Dude, it started I like, off I like as, that. It started off as like a joke, like, oh, the paleta cart is like fully armored. Like it's got weapons yeah. everywhere. It was like a lone wolf and cub story, like this old samurai movie thing. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, oh, I actually like him. Like, I want to know more about him. So now I'm flushing it out with the artist. Yeah. <laughs> so we could see where it goes from there. I like that. Like the original, like I think the original Django had like a, he carried a like a coffin with all his guns in it and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I'm always like a <laughs> like a like trigun, all, all those kind of like comic books that whenever uh, a hero has to carry a very big obscene thing, I love that. Like I honestly love that. Yeah. <laughs> like so, it's just like a giant paletraka that he can pick up and swing. I just <laughs> I would die, dude. I love the way you just like you really do walk around the neighborhood, man. Just bring the neighborhood into these comics. Yeah, I gotta save them somehow. Like, that's how I feel. Like, I gotta... Because in Pilsen, a lot of it... So, like, 18th Street's the main strip. Mm -hmm. But it used to go further than that, and you would still feel, like... You could still feel, like, the Latin presence. Yeah. And now, there's, like... When it ends, it ends hard, and it's just brunch place. Like, upscale bookstore. It, It gets priced out. like, And you can feel it as soon as you pass the stop sign. Wow. So whenever I walk it, because I still walk to go get my lunch and stuff. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to be healthy. So like if I go to get coffee, I gotta get up and go. Yeah. yeah. So uh like when I walk through now, it's like I remember like that building used to be like a bodega. Yeah. I was like, and now it's like just like some yuppie coffee shop. Bro, the the, the toughest thing in New York was this is true. What the building that I used to live at as a kid when I first got to this country is now like an acting studio. And I was just like, damn, yo, y'all crushed my dreams to put up something for white kids' dreams. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. It's, it, no. is, it is the violence that they cause against us that they just, I mean, they know it. They see it. They see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's, I'm, I'm glad that you're keeping that alive through your art. Yeah. And especially like the, the art that was there before. Yeah. Like it was always like, um, like a dead Karenese kid on the back, like crossing or doing yeah. something. Like there was always the representation of art everywhere yeah and now it's shifting like it whoever the popular like street artist is yeah it will do a pop-up on our block yeah and then there's reporters there's pictures all this stuff and then if it gets defaced it's re-put up whereas before if i saw like a mural of something uh, like david hint or something like that and it got defaced the city would just paint over it it would just be a white wall again so, so you're saying like it's, it's more uh, work around the neighborhood is being commissioned more for specific reasons than it is just like, you know, that pop-up art kind of thing that happens yeah. in a neighborhood when somebody passes or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, so some of it, like you'll get one or two pieces of the pop-up art still, yeah. but within a couple of weeks, it's gone. Like it's, there's no more trace of it. You can yeah. look it up, but it'll, they'll take it down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I remember Yeah, damn, so many things about the neighborhood that I'm just like. Yeah, actually, you don't see that anymore. Like, I remember, you know, growing up in, in you know, in New York City in the 90s, you, you go to certain neighborhoods and see people putting up murals of things that happen and events and deaths. And you're just like, I, I didn't I never thought about who's commissioning this. I don't think back then it did they really work like that. Right. It wasn't no. like it was just, hey, can I use your wall to put this up? It'll be up for a little while. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, you basically, if you was on the side, because uh, right now there's a hot dog shop that they just announced today was closing. Okay. But it had a picture of Cheech and Chong on the side eating hot dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like hot dog shop, hot dogs, like it was like a whole thing, but it was cool yeah. and it's been there for like a while. <laughs> yeah. But now they're like, well, Memos is closing because the city said that they were getting free advertising on the side of the building and they're not allowed to have it. So they were getting fined to like death. So oh now it's closing. They announced it today. And I remember going there in the night, like, because the tortilleria was, like, down the street from there. Yeah, yeah, So, like, I just, I ran because, like, recruiters were always in that corner. Yeah, yeah. So it was just, like, I want my hamburger, though. So I would just, like, <laughs> cut. Like, you know where to cut corners, too, to, yeah, like, yeah. avoid people. So, like, I zigzagged. I went in. I would order my food, play their arcade or whatever. But I could have fun for, like, two hours for, like, $4. Yeah. Like, that's why I liked it. Yeah. And now it's gone, too. Damn. Yeah. yeah so like that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just I, I always I always used to joke or I used to do a joke about like that's the main thing about gentrification is like white people's like, oh look at all this Puerto Rican art. It's like what about the actual Puerto Rican? Like, no, no, get them away from the art. We don't want them near their own <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. And it's true. It's it's oh, gosh, I you know, I never thought about that. Um, so like I was I was asking, so I'm I'm with your art, how do you uh get the artists together? How do you like collaborate with, with different people on different books? Yeah, so I will, the first thing I have to do is like flush out my stories so that way I know beginning, middle, like I have to know the whole world before I approach someone about it. Because if they ask me like, well, how does it end and I don't have an answer, they're going to move on to the next project because they know I'm going to drop it. Okay. So once I have my story figured out though, I just, I go on like Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. And I just look up the style that I'm looking for. Okay. So I'll look up like, um, like Mesoamerican art, because that was a big part of like Lucha Forever. Yeah. So I'll look it up and then I'll see people posting their art and they're not necessarily comic book artists when I find them. Yeah. But like if you like art, there's you like some comic book in some form, like because right, it's right. part of the medium and stuff. So then with this one, there was a guy named Mozart who actually works for a comic book company in Brazil where they produce comics. Like wow. if they like your story, they'll help you put it together. So I pitched it to him and he's like a, like a punk rock guy, like covered in tattoos, plays guitar, like all this stuff. So I was, I was nervous. Cause I was yeah, like, yeah. all right, well it's about a dad. And he was like, Oh, I got like three kids. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, it's like a Mexican road to perdition. And he was like, yeah, I can get behind that. I was okay. like, cool. <laughs> oh, I like so that. I, right. Yeah. So I, I pitched it to him and he liked it. And then he brought in his friend. So, he was like, uh, my, cause he does the, the line, the pencils and the ink. Mm. And then another guy comes in and does the color. And then another guy comes in and does the lettering. Oh, wow. So there's like four people that I have to be in constant communication with like, Hey, okay. Page like 12 is done. So it's going to go from here to there. And you let me know what you think. And then oh. they get their hands on it. And then it goes to the next guy. And then I get the finished one, but I have to like approve each one just to make sure that we all have the same idea going forward for each page is that usual like somebody does the line somebody does the color somebody is that usual like for a comic book like we say because I've, I've never worked like in the industry or anything like that yeah so it is if you get one guy that can do everything keep yeah. them like it's so rare to find yeah. someone that can do all of it yeah. but you know you're going to be working at a slower pace then and then you're going to be paying them more to do it because all everyone that i work with i have to pay yeah, because yeah. A, like a fed artist is a happy artist. So like if you don't want them to switch books or have to go work another job, like you got to pay them to keep them. Oh, wow. So that's why I'm doing like the Kickstarter, the GoFundMe stuff. So that way I can make this book happen. Yeah. 
Because yeah. right now Lucha has like uh that that's the book you're trying to make into a full. Because right now what is it like uh ten pages? Right. Yeah. Um. So we actually just got a few more pages in today, which is awesome. Right. But right now we're up to sixteen out of thirty-two. Okay. So we're we're getting there, but with the funds that like the Kickstarter will open up, I can finish it. I can yeah. see the book all the way through now and release it because I have like three big story arcs for it that I yeah. want to do. So it's just getting me there and then building a fan base too. Because if I paid for it all to get made, <laughs> that's great. But now it just made a book for me. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. So with the Kickstarter and all that stuff that I'm doing, like I'm just trying to get an audience together of people that like it. So yeah. that way, when it's ready to go out into the world, I have people that actually want to read it and then can recommend it to their friends. That's amazing, man. And uh, what's what's the GoFundMe like? Well, what's what's your goal? So we just passed it today. You did? So, oh, yeah. that's amazing. So, but, yeah, but, so it, I mean, it's yeah. been stressful, though. So we only got yeah. like seven days left. Okay. So we wanted 5000 to finish it. Okay. We're at six. Great. So, But they take a percentage of it. So. Yeah. If we had just hit the five mark, I would have lost a chunk of it. And then yeah. I would have just, I would have had to put that in myself, mm. but we were able to pass it. So now we're making, we're going forward like the next issue. Great. So each arc has five issues to it. So the first arc I can now go forward with and try to get it all done. Wow. Yeah. That's so awesome, it, dude. And it opened it up, which is great. And that means enough people saw it and liked it. That yeah. we're able to pick it up. And I think I got lucky that there's a wrestling community in Chicago of like local wrestlers. And a lot of them are like luchadors, like they wear the mask and all that. Yeah. So I turned them into art cards. Oh, wow. And I, I would just like DM <laughs> them on Twitter and Instagram, like, hey, if you yeah. give me a shout out, like I'll make you into a character. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. That's awesome. So a bunch of them shared it, retweeted it. And then I, I started making them into art and sending it to them. Oh man, that that dude, that's always been my dream. It's always been like in a comic book. I'm not trying to draw me in it. But I mean, saying, like, I can't. <laughs> just remember, look up your GoFundMe. I was a little strap on cash, but I was like, what? But um, <laughs> no. But if you can tell people, like, if they can still kind of uh, this yeah, episode, shoot, this episode will drop next Thursday, which would so, be the 12th or something like that. One of the cool things that we've done is uh, me and the artist that I work with, we put together a website because yes. now we're gonna brand it. You know how like Marvel owns Spider Man and all yeah, that. Yeah. So we're doing a Vigna Comics and all those stories that we're working on together, it's going to be ours. Great. So we all own it. So if we decide to merchandise it, all that stuff, I told them the more that we sell, the more that we can get it out there, the more that we can get paid to do it. Yeah. So that way we can stop. Like, I don't have to go to a funeral home. Like, yeah, yeah, literally yeah, yeah. a dead end job to like yeah. <laughs> do what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, that's a. Uh... That's amazing. Like, so, you know, I got to get these stuff copywritten and uh, stuff and make sure that. Yeah. Are there a lot of like, uh, do you know, are there a lot of like companies like this that are most like, you said there's one in Brazil that help you put on your comic books. But is there like a big DC Marvel kind of Latinx comic no. book? So there was a little bit of drama with that, too, because for Latin History Month, DC did a series of covers, oh, like yeah. unique covers for Latin heroes. And it was just food. Like they had food, Green Lantern yeah. carrying tamales, like yeah. empanadas and stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, like Viva yes. Mexico with an old flag that they don't even use it. So yeah, it was a lot of, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, that just kind of reinforced me wanting to do this. Cause I was like, they don't see us as like, we're, it's a gimmick. Yeah. We are what they want us to be like, okay. They associate us with food. So the mm -hmm. main thing on those covers was the food. Wow. So that's kind of what bugged me. So yeah. I was just like, this is, there's like two 
they're not even companies. It's just two comics that I like kind of seen around. There's one that's like she's like a Puerto Rican superhero, and then on the cape it makes like the like the Puerto Rican flag and stuff. Oh, I think I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's on yeah. TikTok for a bit. Yeah, so like I've seen that one around, and then John Leguizamo released one with Image, but he's oh. already got like the audience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So as far as like independent goes, it's just if you can find them on Twitter, there's just like one or two people trying to make stuff happen. Yeah, and no, that's what we're doing. It's insane the amount of Latinx people that are in this country and how little media we actually have that pushes us like new artists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I am, you know, I, I'm in the comedy world, you know, that's, that's my world, you know, and different comics. And my thing is like, I cannot find a comedy club pipeline in this country like white dudes have. You know what I mean? There's not yeah. a chain of comedy clubs owned by any Latinx person. There's no real, you know, like I saying, like a upward mobility through the Latinx stand up world. And I'm just yeah. like, you know, this country has, you know, the the black circuit is very strong and really help black artists, you know, in almost every field that they want. And, you know, white people got the world. But, yeah. you know, but it feels like Latinx people, man, it's, it's very hard to find pipelines towards success for anything we want to do. And I think part of it is it's hard for us to celebrate. Like we talked about earlier, it's hard for us to celebrate each other. Yeah. So I think a little bit of that is just like, we have to just kind of open ourselves up to others doing it and like, okay, you got it. That's awesome. Can you help? Yeah. And that's what I want to do. So like yeah. a lot of people now that I have my Kickstarter up, will reach out and be like, Hey, can you share my comic? Yeah. Just so like, cause I hit my goal. So they're like, help me hit mine yeah. and I'm sharing it. Like I'll retweet it. I'll put it out there. I'll try what I can. Yeah, but it's there's there's definitely not a pipeline for us to get anywhere. And most comic book artists, a lot of them in like mainstream Marvel, DC, because they they work for less yeah. and because they they tend to be a little bit faster as far as like because of the work gets outsourced are Latin. Mm. <laughs> like one of the longest running Spider-Man artists, his name is Humberto Ramos. Wow. Yeah. So like if you look into comics, a lot of the creators of it are Latin people. Wow. But there's no way to reach them. Like there's, I can't just go on Twitter and ask them because everyone's asking them. Everyone. And just because, yeah, there's a guy <coughs> who's doing Batman and his name is uh, Tony Daniels, but his real name is like Antonio, I think. Okay. But he's a Chicago guy, but he's one of like the best Batman artists and he's Latin. So I'm wow. like, they didn't give him the chance to do like a DC cover. Like, oh. let yeah, the... I mean that would have meant more if it was like the Latin artists doing all the Latin stuff. Like a few of them were, but the input was of course, like make it about the food. Yeah. Yeah. Damn dude. Even when they have those people, and that's what's, you know, it's also, it's kind of like it's a, not nothing against these artists, but it's always, it, it's always very hard when you are the one person in that room to, you know, be the one, like let other Latinx people in here. Like sometimes that person becomes very timid. It's like, Hey, listen, I don't want to ruin my position. Yeah. You, you got to protect what you have, too. Yeah, yeah, because if he makes a lot of noise and he can't go to Marvel or somewhere else that you know, or Image or something that, you know what I mean? It's, you know, yeah. it's, when we get blackballed, we get blackballed hard. Yeah. So I get that. Um, uh, real quick before we wrap up here, tell us, tell us, like, you know, where where we can find everything on social media, online, so we can keep up with this work and see, you know, where we can help it and where we can, you know, support it. Yeah. So right now, a main hub for ours is avinacomics.com. Okay. And even after the Kickstarter, people can go there to donate. So we do have like a donation portal 
where if you wanted like participate in any of the comics, anything like that, you can donate, you can message us. Um, we're going to start listing PD like digital copies of the comics on there. So if people do want to buy it, they have access to it. And then we're going to open up the shop once we have all the physical copies of the comics in. Uh, but right now we have five working titles. Okay. And they're all like, there's Latin based in each one of them. Okay. So it's getting all those books in, but Lucha Forever is kind of our flagship book. It's our, like our primary one that we're focusing down on right now. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's looking good. Avenia Comics. Check out everything on there, right? Avenia Comics? Yep. AvenuaComics.com. And when you, get, you, you said when you get physical copies, you're probably going to do a storefront? Yeah, so we're going to do a storefront. Um, we are trying to shop them to local comic book stores too, just okay. so that they have them. And then we want to send some to libraries and to some schools, yeah. just because I know like some schools can't afford it. Like the yeah. school I went to when I was a kid, we, we didn't have much. Yeah. So I want to donate some too once we can, once we're up and running to schools just so they can see themselves in it too yeah hey man let me know when when anything like that uh comes up where i can like physically go and check it out because uh, i have family out in aurora still so like i would love sure. to come out to chicago and and yeah and check out your storefront and everything and support you like irl you know what i mean so that'd be awesome yeah yeah that sounds good yeah man hey dude thank you so much. anything else you want to tell people before they go or anything like that uh no yeah just check out the site um we're another big spot we're on is going to be we're creating the instagram for the comics so that's going to be at avena comics and then you can see everything and get all the updates there. Perfect, man. Uh, we'll we'll give everybody the links and everything. Any any personal social medias you want people to follow? You're not really like. Uh, I mean, I got one for uh, Twitter. It's at that Johnny Avina. Okay. So if they're just on there and they want to see it, we still have like a couple of days of the Kickstarter. But since if this doesn't go up after, they can just check out the website and everything will be there too. Perfect, man. Hey, thank you so much for your time, man. And I uh, best of luck to you with uh, Lucha Forever and every other comic book, man. I really hope that, like, you know, your comic becomes like at least like a cult classic amongst our people and stuff, man. Because that's always like really cool. You can be like, oh, I'm the cult classic. Yeah, everybody knows me. But, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Dude. Good luck with everything, man. And let me know if I can help you out in any way. All right. All right. Thank you. No problem, man. Take it easy. Yeah. Bye. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.